Good morning. We are nearing the end of our message series on God's hope for relationships. Today we're going to look at God's hope for the family, and next week we're going to finish off with the people who drive you crazy. Now don't elbow the person sitting next to you, okay? Keep it civil out there. Uh, Then during the season of Lent leading up to Easter Sunday, we'll be starting a new theme called Sharing Hope looking at practical ways we can share the hope of Christ with others in a guilt-free way. The series is going to be based on this book, Surprise the World, by Michael Frost. It's the best book that I've seen lately on a realistic and effective approach to sharing faith. I hope you'll maybe order a copy for yourself and read it, or if you have a small group that wants to read it together, contact me. I'll order the books for you and get the discussion guide for you as well. Also, I'll be leading a six-week discussion group on this book on Tuesday nights starting March 12th, and that's open to everyone. I'd love for you to join me if you don't already have a small group, and you can register for that on thecornernj.com. So today, we're looking at God's hope for families, and boy, do we need that. Our families are under constant pressure from within and without. And at times, it, it feels like there's a battle going on for the soul of our families. Back during the time of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, the city of Jerusalem was under assault. And Nehemiah said to the people, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Nehemiah 4.14. I think we need some of that same spirit. Our families are worth fighting for. That means we can't be passive when it comes to how our families work or be passive about protecting our families from unhealthy influences. And we, as a church community, we need to be proactive in supporting and encouraging healthy families. In fact, that is one of our core values. Your family is worth fighting for no matter what phase of family life you're in. If you're single, uh, you have, still have family to care about. If you're married and just starting out, you have the opportunity to shape your future family. If you're hip deep in diapers or you feel like an Uber driver for all your kids, uh, you still have the power to influence your family life. If you're an empty nester or you've entered the grandparent years, you have a tremendous opportunity to be a positive force in your family. Don't give up. Whatever stage you're in, it's not too late. No matter where you are in the continuum of family life, it is not too late to fight for your family. So what I want us to look at today is just four common traits of healthy, hopeful families. Four simple things that can help build healthy, hopeful families. And the first one is symbolized by this, the Candyland board game. Remember Candyland? How many of you wish you never have to play it again? Uh, Why does Candyland represent a healthy family? Because healthy families are playful. They know how to play together. They know how to have fun with each other. The first common denominator of healthy families is that they know how to have fun together and enjoy life together. When I look at families today and see all the stress and all the pressure, the overcrowded schedules that split families up throughout the week, And the way our gadgets and screens bring more and more isolation into our families. Gosh, there are just so many families are just too serious. They're too busy, too pressured, too tired, too negative. You know, and we're constantly on the run uh, with something always looming over our heads. I mean, who really wants to come home to a come home to that? The average family is like all work and no play. 
It's all about getting to the next thing on the schedule, the next item on the agenda. Play, we kind of store up for one week a year at Disneyland. And that's often a high-pressure nightmare to see and do everything in such a short amount of time. Awesome families need to be playful. And play needs to be a regular feature for a healthy family. I mean, I love eating Thanksgiving feast. I love eating myself into a food coma on Thanksgiving, but I like to eat every other the day of the year, too. I need to eat regularly. And the same thing is true with play. To have a healthy family, you can't just store up your play for just one week of the year. Children need playful families year-round. Ask kids, you know, what fun thing does your family like to do together? See what they say. See what they say. Family is not supposed to be a boot camp, and parents are not drill instructors. Your family's not a business. The parents are not the CEOs. Your family's not a laboratory experiment where parents act like research, researchers trying to make the perfect little child. There is no science in being a family. It's an art. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. And now, most people know that the Bible tells us that we're supposed to work. That's part of our calling from God as good stewards of this earth. We're supposed to work, work hard, do our best, and find meaning in our work. In fact, the Bible says if people refuse to work, you shouldn't feed them. That's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So you shouldn't feed people who refuse to work if they're able to work. So we know work is in the Bible, but few people know that the Bible says you should also have fun. Play is essential for adults and not just children. Play is connected to creativity in the brain. And that's true for adults as well as children. If you're not playing, then you're stifling the creative parts of your brain. Play helps to relieve stress. It keeps you flexible. Play makes you better able to handle problems. Hence the old adage, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Play is what makes life fun. In the book of Ecclesiastes, God says to us through Solomon, so I recommend having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat and drink and enjoy life. That they will experience some happiness along the way with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. That's Ecclesiastes 8.15. The enjoyment of life is essential to healthy relationships and healthy families. That's play. You know, in marriage counseling, one question I'll often ask a couple is, when was the last time you did anything fun together without the kids? And often I am met with a blank stare. Play makes every relationship better. You know, for children, recess is not a waste of time. Kids are developing just as much through play as they do in the classroom, especially younger children. 1 Timothy 6.17 says that God gives us everything to enjoy. Life is to be enjoyed, not just endured. Are you just enduring your life? If you're too busy to enjoy life, you're just too busy. Ecclesiastes 11.8 says, However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. You should find joy in every day because you don't know how long you're going to live. Whatever living you're going to do, you better get at it right now. If you have kids, you need to enjoy life now, not just in some vague future. Write this down. People don't remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. People won't remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. And that's true in all relationships. Kids won't remember your speeches, 
but they really remember how you made them feel, the fun that you had. Kids need to know that they're loved and that you have a love together as a family. And Candyland kind of symbolizes this because Candyland's a great equalizer. It is totally a game of chance. So adults and children have to play it as equals. You can have a PhD and it gives you no advantage. That's what makes it fun for kids, that there's no advantage to being an adult, you know, unless you're cheating. You're on the same level, parents and kids, and the outcome doesn't really matter. You're together having fun, and that's what counts. Candyland families. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says to men, to enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Dads, the greatest gift you can give your kids is to love their mom. When the father shows love to mother, it creates stability and peace in the home, and children need that safety to develop. That's why parents need to go out and have fun sometimes without the kids. I know folks will say, well, we can't afford to go out, but that is really a serious mistake. You don't have to go to a five-star restaurant in Manhattan, but your children need to see you loving each other. If your kids see you just as ships passing in the night, how are they going to learn about a healthy marriage? You're the greatest and first model of relationships for them. If you're just working and working and working, then that's what they'll think marriage is all about. Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift from God. Now, honestly, sometimes that's a gift you might want to exchange. I get that. But they are meant to be enjoyed. They are not meant to be a pet project. I read about a researcher who interviewed kindergarten kids and asked them, what do you like to do most with your family? You know what the number one answer was? Not Disneyland. It was play board games. Because parents have to interact with the children. The second answer was go to the park. Because that meant time with parents. Not with the kids on the playground equipment and the parent on his or her cell phone the whole time. That's just kind of sad. But playing together. Now some people object by saying, you know, well I buy my family all this stuff. I give them everything they need. What else do they want? Well they want you. You spell love, T-I-M-E, undistracted time. Our kids don't need more things. They need fun with family. The second symbol of a healthy family is a watering can. You know, it's used to water plants and vegetables. A garden doesn't grow on its own. It needs weeding and watering. Awesome families, hopeful families, encourage growth. Healthy families create an atmosphere of lifelong learning. Families encourage the discovery of each person's uniqueness. They support each other in their growth, and the family then should never really stop growing. They encourage mom and dad or sister and brother to grow through all the stages of life. Let's face it, if you're not growing, if you're not learning anything new, you've become boring. In Luke 2.52, we read that the adolescent Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Four growth areas. Wisdom is mental, stature is physical, then growing in faith spiritually, and finally growing socially. All four of those are necessary, and every family member should be growing in all four areas, physically, mentally, spiritually, socially. Here's a simple question. Are you closer to Christ today than you were a year ago? Are you growing spiritually? Awesome families encourage growth. And there are things that, you know, if you don't learn them in your family, you don't learn them. And then life will be harder for you. 
Most of the problems as adults come from the fact that we didn't learn certain things as a child. There are things that we must learn in our families. For example, what to do with our feelings, how to handle our emotions, how to deal with how I feel. In healthy families, you learn how to name and own your feelings, how to express them properly, not to stuff them. If you don't learn how to deal with your feelings in your family, you'll have to learn it somewhere else, and it's usually rougher. That's why so many marriages break up. In their families, they never learned how to deal with their emotions in a healthy way, never learned how to handle conflict in a positive way. If kids don't see parents handle conflict positively, then when it comes to anger, they'll either turn into a mute, a martyr, or a landmine. A mute means they just stuff down all their anger. A martyr means they play the victim all the time. A landmine means they explode and take others out with them. Another area where we need to be nurtured in the family is on how to handle loss, big and small losses, how to grieve a loss. Kids need to know that nobody wins all the time. An unbroken string of wins in life is actually bad for kids because eventually when they go out into the real world, it's devastating to face failure. They won't know that a loss is not the end of your life, that a failure isn't fatal. Every sports team knows it's good to have a few losses in the preseason. It takes the pressure off. And that may sound strange, but children need to learn how to lose early in life. They need to know how to be good winners, sure, but they also need to learn how to be good losers. And we have to treat their losses as important so that they know how to grieve, like the death of a pet. Even if it's a goldfish, you need to help them grieve the loss because they are going to be sad in life in bigger ways and need to know that it is normal to grieve. It's like the game of shoots and ladders. That's a metaphor for life. You roll the dice, you hit a ladder, you go up. Roll again, hit a shoot, you go down. It's not up all the time. Some things take you up, some things bring you down. So don't get so full of ego and pride. Sometimes you're ahead and then sometimes you fall behind and that's life. That's the way life is, ups and downs. Some people never learn that. They never learn to take their turn, like people driving in road rage, you know, haven't learned to take their turn. Learn to win graciously, and then learn that losing won't destroy you. Good families nurture other things. I can't go into them all this morning. They nurture good values, good manners, good habits. They nurture primarily through example. I mean, that's the number one way we all grow and learn, is through example. In John 13, when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he said, I've given you an example to follow. Follow my example. That's so important in families because you are what you do, not what you say you're going to do. Your children are watching your example. The second way we grow and learn is through conversation. Important conversation about important things. Often our conversations in homes are just about what we need to get through the day, the schedule, the meals, the homework, But it's not about the real issues of life. It's the parent's job to have spiritual conversations with their children. It's the parent's job to teach their children the scriptures. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. It's the parent's job. In the Living Bible, Deuteronomy 6, 7 says, you must teach God's commandments to your children and talk about them when you are at home or out for a walk, at bedtime, and the first thing in the morning. It's talking about teachable moments for your family, breakfast, bedtime, conversations. You need to talk about important things. Example and conversation, that's how we nurture. The third symbol of a healthy family is a raincoat. It symbolizes protection. 
Matthew 4, uh, 5.45, Jesus says that it rains on the just and the unjust. In other words, it rains on everybody. Bad things happen. We live in a fallen world where bad things happen. God's not punishing you. Bad things happen to good people because we live in a broken world. You will go through some storms, emotionally, financially, physical. Your car will break down. You'll get a flat tire. When you go through a storm, you're going to need some protection, some covering. And families are really meant to protect each other. Healthy, hopeful families support each other. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, if one person falls, the other one can help him up. There will be times when we need someone else to help us up. You will need other people to help you get through that storm. Sometimes it's the child who needs help. Sometimes it's mom or maybe grandma. Sometimes it's dad who's going through a rough patch. No matter who it is, we each need to help each other. We protect each other in the family. Everybody rallies. Maybe it's grandpa. Psalm 71 verse 9 says, Don't reject me now that I'm old. Don't abandon me now that I'm feeble. That's family too. That's an important stage of life too when the roles reverse, when your parents need you to care for them. You see, families are for life. And as Christians, we don't abandon people just because they're not, you know, quote unquote, useful. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If someone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's what healthy families do. They protect each other. We need family to be around us when we hit a rough patch. When we hit a pothole, we need to get our wheels realigned. Families can help us do that. But depending on how deep the hole is, you might need advice from outside the family. You may need counseling or life coaching. It's smart for families to get coaching. Every professional singer has a voice coach. Every professional athlete has a, has a trainer. Sometimes you need a family coach if you're going through a big thing. So go and get some counsel. I know people say, oh, it just costs too much. How much do you think a divorce lawyer costs per hour? Many children are provided for but not protected. They live in relative luxury compared to the rest of the world, but they're not protected. They have no business watching or following things or being exposed to things so early. Parents these days almost go nuts uh, with what they feed their kids, the best food, but they often let their minds feed on junk. Parents who say, I don't make choices for my kids, well, then you're not really being a parent. There are a lot of vulgar, vain, and vile things in this world eager to get into our kids' minds. Garbage truck after garbage truck going into their minds, and parents need to be aware of what their kids are watching and mentally ingesting. So healthy families are playful, but they also encourage growth. They protect. And finally, healthy families don't just care about themselves. I'll use a globe to symbolize that. They don't just care about themselves, they care about others. Anybody can care about their own family, that's easy. Healthy families are not just self-centered. It's the unhealthy parent who only cares about their own kid or his or her playing time on the soccer field, doesn't care at all about any of the other kids. Caring about others is what moves families from average to awesome. Because awesome families serve God by serving others. They teach their kids, it's not about you. You are not the center of the universe. You were made for a mission. Healthy families teach and model that one of their values as a family is to care about other people outside the family. That mean, might mean opening 
your home to others. It might mean practicing hospitality, bringing guests into your home. It may mean sacrifice for the sake of others. It may mean giving your time to serve others. It may mean teaching your children about good financial stewardship, about uh, giving to the church and its mission for Christ. It may mean sponsoring a child in some other part of the world through Compassion International or World Vision or the like. Sponsor a child who's the same age as your child and let them grow up together as pen pals. Children need to know it's not all about me. As Christians, we're connected to what God is doing in the bigger world and we need to join together to serve in his name. We're not to be isolated or insulated from the problems of the world. And we need to teach our children to be generous and open-handed and gracious and willing to serve Christ through serving others. So healthy, hopeful families don't happen by accident. We need to be intentional. We need to fight for our families. We need to be playful. We need to nurture each family member's growth at whatever stage of life they're in. We need to protect and provide. We also need to care about others in the larger world. Teaching our children they're not the center of the universe, knowing that great joy can be discovered as we give our lives away in serving Christ as a family. That's the decision Joshua made so long ago in the famous words that he said, choose for yourself this day, whom will you serve? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. Are you going to serve the Lord as a family? That's the bottom line for healthy, uh, hope-filled family. Until you make that decision, you just drift. So make the right choices this week. Include some playtime in your family. Do something fun together as a married couple. Nurture, encourage, protect each other. Open your home. Open your heart to others. Practice generosity and hospitality. And see how the Lord will draw you closer to himself and bless your family with greater hope. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this awesome thing called family. It's often our source of greatest joy and greatest frustration, greatest hope and greatest discouragement. So we need you, Lord, to be involved in our families as we make good decisions and try to build healthy patterns and healthy uh, relationships within our families. Help us to live in such a way that our families uh, really do serve the world in Jesus' name. Help us to model. Help us to have good conversations. Help us to follow you with all our hearts, Lord, and to have families that are dedicated to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.